Good morning, Journey. So I made a mistake a few years ago on Mother's Day that I won't make again today. Several years ago, as a young pastor in my 20s, uh, I had the opportunity to preach to our church on a Mother's Day, and I got up and kind of said, Happy Mother's Day. And then I preached a sermon that had nothing to do with mothers, nothing about challenging mothers, nothing about loving mothers, nothing really even focused on mothers. And at the end, a a grandmother who was probably a great-grandmother kind of met me at the edge of the stage as I walked off. And she said, young man, I need to tell you something. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. So I kind of waved Danielle over so she'd stand beside me as I got in trouble. Um, And the lady said, listen, every other year, every other day of the year is for someone else. Today is Mother's Day. So son, on Mother's Day, you preach about mothers, you preach about grandmothers, you tell us how good a job we're doing, you tell everyone else how good a job we're doing, and you recognize mothers on Mother's Day. You got that? And I said, yes, ma'am. And with that, she took her hand, she smacked me on the rear end, and she walked out of the auditorium. Looked at Danielle, and I said, I think she just spanked me. And Danielle said, no, there was a gleam in her eye. She was flirting with you. I said, come on. Every time I saw that lady for the next five years, she smacked me on the rear end as she walked by me. I kid you not, until Daniel said, if you keep slapping his, I'm going to kick yours. And that was like the end of it. It was like, that is, that's over. My mama now is going to take care of you. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms and the grandmas in the house. That is a true story. Um, If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 27, another true story. As we wrap up this series that we're calling Family Strong, I'm glad we get to wrap it up on Mother's Day, which is a day um, that we celebrate moms who make so many of our families so strong. And today I want to introduce you to Rebecca. If you've already pulled your notes out of your bulletin, um, you can follow along. If not, go ahead and do that or fire up the app. And let me say welcome to those of you who are streaming. We've literally got people streaming all over America today that have just texted me and let me know you're watching today. So thanks for being a part of our service online today. I want you to meet Rebecca because Rebecca is one of the strongest and most heroic mothers in the Bible. You say, who's Rebecca? She's the wife of Isaac. She's the daughter-in-law of Abraham, two pretty important Old Testament men. She was a shepherd. The first time we see her, she was getting water for her family and for her flocks. She was a courageous risk taker. When she heard about Isaac and his offer to marry her, she left a land she um, had lived in her entire life to go someplace she'd never been, to meet a man she had never met, to be married to him. You say, why would somebody do that? Because she was a promise chaser and she was a promise keeper. She heard God had a promise for Isaac and his family. She said, I want to be a part of that promise. And today we see when that promise is getting interrupted, she steps in and says, you know what? Even if Isaac won't, I will. Today in Genesis 27, we read a story that honestly has questionable ethics at its core. But the question at the center of this story that that almost is hard to justify is this. Are you going to pursue the promise? Are you going to let problems stop progress? Are you going to pursue the promise that you think God has for your life and for your family, or are you going to let problems stop progress? Hey, moms today, those of you who are in here who are moms, we need you to be a promise chaser. Because when the rest of your family gets tired and fatigued, we need you to keep running. Moms, we need you to keep chasing the promise for us, because often we get there because you don't quit running. And if you're tired, my goal is that today will encourage you and energize you. But I know we have a lot of people here today who aren't mothers. I know we have a lot of people here today who Mother's Day is one of the most difficult. I know we have people who have lost their mom in the last few years. And today, for you, like it is for my mom, 
is hard because Mother's Day is, is a day of mourning as much as it is a day of celebration. I know we have several women in our church who are struggling with infertility, and Mother's Day reminds them of the heartache that they're currently experiencing. We want you to know that we're here and we're praying for you. And I know we have people in the auditorium today who are mothers estranged from kids and kids estranged from mothers. We just want you to know we're aware you're here and we're praying for you. And today's message is not just going to exclude you. We think if you're a Christian or interested in Christianity, we think you can learn a lot from today's message about faith and chasing the promises of God. But can we just pray before we jump in today? God, we thank you for all the moms and the grandmas in the house on Mother's Day. We thank you for all the mothers-to-be. But God, we pray for those who, Lord, this day is, is a difficult day. We pray for those who have lost their mothers recently. Lord, we pray for those who are still struggling in prayer and in life to figure out what motherhood will look like for them. We pray for moms who right now are, Lord, at some kind of tension with their kids or kids who are here who are in a strained relationship with their mother. God, just comfort them. And on this day, may we all remember uh, that, Lord, even when we can't feel the love of a mother, we can feel the love of our Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, let us chase that promise. And, Lord, as we pursue it, help us to experience Jesus in new and radical ways. We love you. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Genesis chapter 27. We're going to read 29 verses. So kind of take a deep breath. If you're in your Bible, hang on. If you're on your app, keep scrolling. If you don't have either one of those things, it'll be on the screen behind me. Here's what we read. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said to him, my son, here I am, Esau answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man. I don't know the day of my death. Now then get your equipment, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah, his wife, was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father Say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that may, he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau, he's a hairy man. I have pretty smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I'd appear to be tricking him. And I'd bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house. She put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. Verse 18, he went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, lying, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you've told me. Please sit up and eat some of the games so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how'd you find it so quickly, my son? Now he brings God into his lie. The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He didn't recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked? I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. 
Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, that the Lord is blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. You might underline these next few lines because this is where it gets tricky. Be Lord over your brothers. May the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. You know, it's often a mother who arranges like the meaningful, unforgettable moments in the life of a family. Last summer, a mom in Colorado by the name of Taylor Masolati got pregnant with her first child about a year after her mother had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And it was the goal of mom and daughter alike that mom would make it to the 20-week appointment so she could go with her daughter to find out kind of the gender reveal of the baby, whether it was going to be a little boy or a little girl. And when that 20-week time period came, uh, Taylor's mom, Donna, was so sick that she could not leave the hospice bed she was laying in. So Taylor called the hospital and said, I can't do this appointment without my mom. What can we do? So as you'll see on the picture behind me, the ultrasound nurse, the ultrasound equipment, the ultrasound doctor were all transported to the hospice center where Donna was. And laying in her bed beside her mother, Taylor Masolati, and her mom found out that she was going to have a little girl. Three days later, her mom, Donna, went to be with the Lord. And Taylor wrote on her Facebook page, three days after finding out that our little girl, Stella, would be born, my mom went to make sure she could watch over her as a guardian angel for every moment of her life. It, you see, it's the moms who think of stuff like that and who arrange those moments in our life. And let me say on behalf of everyone today who might not say it, thank you moms for what you do. I was texting my little sister this morning who's a single mom, reminding her that I see what she's doing. And while her son is not old enough to know it yet, she's doing a great, great job. Thank you single moms for what you do to give us family moments filled with life. Rebecca did that in today's text, but in order to understand and be inspired, rather than just be confused as to what Rebecca did for her family, you have to understand three things that I kind of want to lay out for you this morning. First, you have to understand Rebecca's call. If you listen to the story, you had to think, whoa, 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 why is Rebecca doing what she was doing? Why did Isaac do what he did? Well, it all started with a call. Do you know that God only revealed the future of the Israeli patriarchs? When I, when I say the Israeli patriarchs, I mean Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know that God only revealed the future of the Israeli patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the mother rather than the father one time, to Rebecca? Every other time, God said, here's my plans for the nation, he told Abraham. Every other time, God said, I want you to know I'm going to be with you. You can trust me. He told Isaac. Every other time, he said, here's the plan. He told Jacob. Only one time did he step in and speak to the mother rather than the father, and it was to Rebecca. When Rebecca was pregnant, she was having a lot of unusual birth pain. She didn't know what was going on. She could not have a sonogram. She went in prayer before the Lord and said, what's going on? And God said, you're going to have twins. They're actually twins inside of you. But God said, here's what you need to know. In Genesis 25, 23, the Lord said to her, two nations, not just two people, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you are going to be separated. One is going to be stronger than the other, but the older is going to serve the younger. 
God told Rebecca, listen, you, you don't understand everything that's going to happen, but I do. In order for the blessing that I've given your father-in-law Abraham and your husband Isaac to be transferred to the world, the best thing for Jacob and the best thing for Esau, the best thing for your family is for Jacob to be the spiritual heir of your family. You need to make sure when it's time to give the blessing, you give it to Jacob, not to Esau. That's the way because God can see the future things need to happen. Yet here is Isaac doing the exact opposite. But Rebecca had a call. Rebecca was called by God to make sure that the younger son carried the spiritual blessing and the spiritual authority of Abraham's family. God told her, I'm sure she told Isaac, but Isaac didn't want to follow that. Now, I have no idea why at the time of these twins' birth that God revealed his plans to Rebecca rather than Isaac. I have no clue why he would have told Rebecca rather than Isaac. But I do know at this point in life, what we're reading here today, Isaac could not be trusted to do with his family what God wanted him to do. So he counted on Rebecca. And Rebecca had to step in, which led to, number two, it led to Rebecca's conflict. God told Rebecca, here's my plan for your family. Trust me, this is the way it needs to be. Isaac, as he was getting ready to leave, said, yeah, I don't know that I want to do that. I don't know that I'm for that. And behind his wife's back and behind his spiritual heir's back, he told his son, we'll work this out between us. So Rebecca faced this conflict. Now, listen, moms always live with conflict. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that a mom doesn't have to make some decision that deals with conflict, like whether or not to kill their sons or to love them. Like mothers face that conflict every day. Danielle sent me this caption that Priscilla Shire Uh, tweeted the other day of a friend she'd have. My friend asked me what it was like to live in a house full of boys. So I peed on her bathroom floor, ate everything in her fridge, told her 800 stories about Minecraft, farted 20 times. And when she was ready to kill me, I gave her a hug and told her she was pretty. Like moms every day have that conflict, right? And listen to me, my young Jedi teenage boys. This works. When, When they're just about ready to hit the, just give them a hug, tell them they're pretty, Tell them they're awesome and everything will be okay. Again, moms face conflict. Rebecca's conflict looked like this. It was really clear in Genesis 27. Isaac, her husband, wasn't raising her sons the way God had told her to raise them. It was real clear. God said, do this. She heard Isaac say, I'm going to do this. Isaac wasn't doing what God told them to do. So Rebecca had two choices. She was either going to watch her sons drift spiritually away Jacob could be counted on to take care of Esau, but not vice versa. So she was going to watch both her sons drift spiritually away from all of God's promises, all of God's blessings, or she had to get involved, one or the other. Now, our staff this week for almost an hour talked over this conflict, talked over the conflict of the unethical thing that Rebecca did. It's like, you know, how can we preach this as an example? Because she went behind her husband's back. She told her son to lie. Like there's nothing really spiritual in her actions. And I would agree with you. Like there's a lot of debate over what Rebecca did and why and how God could bless it. But what we realized is Rebecca, she, she only had two options, follow the promise or watch the problem destroy us. Follow the promise or watch the problem destroy us. There really wasn't a good choice to make other than I'm just going to follow the promise the best way that I know how. As odd as it is, she was acting in faith towards God in the only way that she knew how. 
And here's kind of the odd irony of this entire story. Isaac had an older stepbrother. His name was Ishmael. And when God told his dad, Abraham, you need to bless Isaac, not Ishmael. Abraham said, I'd rather not do that. Like we've already started this process. Abraham said, why does it have to be Isaac? And God said, it just does. So Isaac actually carried the same blessing as a little brother that Jacob was going to carry, and he carried it well, but there was something in his life. Say, what was it? I don't know. I don't know that maybe he watched the problems of life unfold when his dad blessed him instead of his older brother, and they did. There was a lot of problems. I don't know if he watched that decision split a family. I don't know if he watched that decision wear on his father spiritually, but something about what Isaac had seen and what Isaac had been told to do, for some reason, he wasn't willing in a weird, ironic way to do this. Maybe Isaac was just disobedient spiritually. Maybe he was fatigued spiritually. He saw all that it took out of his dad to do things God's way, even when it was hard, but he definitely wasn't following spiritually at this time. We don't know why. Maybe he just didn't care. Or maybe he said, I watched my dad go through that and it about killed him and it split our family and it did. I don't want to do that too. We don't know. All we know is that Isaac was leading in a dangerous spiritual direction at a pretty critical time for his family. And let me talk to all the dads in the room right now. Dads, if you're in a place of spiritual fatigue right now and everyone gets there, Isaac was there. If you're in a place where just life has been so hard, where you don't have the energy to lead your family spiritually in this season, don't stop your wife from doing it. Like, don't stand in the way. If you are fatigued and you right now don't have a spirit to lean in, don't hold your wife back to. Let her run. Because in Rebecca running with her son, the promises of God were continued through their family line. We see this wife who had really no good way out of this because she had a husband who at this point just didn't care about how God had told him to raise his family. So she just trusted God to bless the intention of her bad decision, and she said, I'm just going to try my best. And listen, for the mom who feels like you can't ever make the right decisions, just keep trusting God and just, just keep moving. You're going to have some bad decisions that you make on behalf of your family, and then you're going to have some good decisions you make on behalf of your family. Don't expect to hit to bat a thousand, mom. Just keep pushing forward because I believe often God takes, when our intentions are correct, God takes the intentions of our heart and somehow he just allows his presence and his spirit to be with us as we try to move forward with him. And dads, one day your wife is going to be fatigued. You say, how do, how do you know that? Because she's a wife and a mother. Have you ever had your wife leave town for a week like my wife has left town for a week and I have to do everything I do and everything she does and then she calls at night at like 10 o'clock and she wants to catch up because she's somewhere not doing everything that she's always doing. She's like, hey, do you want to talk? And it's like, no, I want to die. Like I'm just so tired that I just want to go to bed. And like there's no food in the house and you know, we've now got napkins in the bathroom instead of toilet paper. It's like this, you know, and Rudy needs a bath and it's like, Man, being a mom and a wife is so hard, right? Your wife is going to get fatigued. And guess what? When she, get fit, when she gets fatigued spiritually, God is going to place some supernatural grace on you to lead. But don't stand in your wife's way. If God has called her to take your kids and keep pushing them to Jesus, let her. Because we see even in Rebecca's conflict that God rewarded this. 
It's interesting as we look at Rebecca's conflict and then we boil down number three to Rebecca's conduct. We see somehow things, they end up working out in a no-win situation. In a no-win situation where Rebecca was either going to disappoint her God forever or she was going to disappoint her husband for a moment, she chose the call of God that brought her to this family in the first place and said, Isaac, here's what we're going to do. Rebecca made a faith decision that was birthed in trust and obedience. She made a faith decision that trusted God and obeyed God even in a really difficult season. And when she told her son Jacob, here's what we're going to do, he said, Mom, we can't do that. Mom, this could go sideways. Mom, this could be really, really bad. Jacob was aware and he was afraid of what his mom was telling him to do. But here's what Jacob knew. Jacob knew his mom trusted God, and he trusted her. Let me ask all the wives and moms in the room. Does your family know that you trust God? And do you have a track record of doing things the way God wants you to do, where they've developed a trust in you? Because as husbands and as kids, when we know the women in our life trust God, we can trust them. So do you trust God and do people trust you? Because we see this spiritual equation at work in Genesis 27 that when you trust God and you obey God, you have peace with God. So let's just start with the end of the equation. Do you have peace with God today? I'm not just talking about moms. I'm talking about everyone. Do you have peace with God today? You know, there are a lot of people who trust God, but they don't obey God. So they don't have peace with God. Like they've said a prayer and, you know, when things go wrong, they immediately go to God, but they have no obedience in their life to God. So so they've got this kind of spiritual trust in their soul, but they've got this disobedience in their life. And every Sunday they feel tension. They, They don't have peace with God. They trust him, but they don't have peace. There's a whole nother side of Christianity that obeys God, but doesn't trust God. This is how I was raised. You obey God. And if you obey God, well, he'll love you deeply. So you do everything you can to obey God, but there's never trust that he loves you, that he's going to take care of you, that you're good enough. So like you live in fear of this angry God. So it's like you obey God, but you don't trust God. So you have no peace with God. But we see in Rebecca in conflict, this beautiful picture of I trust God, I will obey God. And at the end of the day, I can be at peace with that. So, okay, Christian, that's really, really good. But what about peace with her husband? Like, I understand her decision gave her peace with God, but what about peace with her husband? Like, isn't this going to tear the family apart? It almost did for the boys. They ended up coming back together. It almost did. It didn't tear a marriage apart that we read about. But what about peace with her husband? Well, here's what I believe. When kids know their mom is close to God, they trust her even when they disagree with her, even when they dislike her direction. And I believe that when a husband believes that his wife is close to God, I believe he wants to trust her as long as he is confident she is following God. I believe he wants to trust her, might even be willing to trust her. You know, it was ultimately, when you look back at this story, Rebecca wasn't against Isaac, she was for him. It was ultimately Rebecca's love and trust of Isaac and who God had called him to be that directed all of her actions. Why did she leave her home? Because she believed God had called Isaac and his family to bless the world. 
Why did she move from a country she lived in all her life to a country she'd never been to? Because she believed God had his hand on Isaac's life. And when God said, here's what it looks like for my hand to be on your husband's lives and your kids and your grandkids' life, Rebecca said, I trust God. I trust who he's calling my husband to be. So I'm going to live that way even when he doesn't. And I'd like to think this morning, I'd like to hope that every mother leading spiritually ultimately deep down believes the best for her husband and believes that if I can just keep leading at some point he's going to become who God has called him to be and he will be the best husband in this city if I just keep leading at some point God's gonna call my husband to be who he created him to be he's gonna be the best father in this city if I just keep leading at some point God is gonna call my husband into the blessings and promises that he created him for and, and he's gonna lead our family and he's gonna he's gonna in our neighborhood be known as a man of God. I I'd like to hope that every mother believes that about their family members that aren't yet there spiritually. Rebecca did. And she believed that if she would trust and obey, that one day her husband would get there too, and together they would be who God called them and created them to be. Reminds me of a phrase I heard recently, show me a good man and I'll show you a better wife behind him. I say amen to that. Show me a good man and I'll show you a better wife behind him. It's why I know that this week we'll have a record number of listens to our Activate podcast, which we do every week because this week it's Danielle, not me. And all the moms who could care less about what I say are actually going to like download the podcast and listen this week because we get to talk about the better wife behind a husband who's trying to be good this week and she gets to answer the questions and she gets to talk about what it looks like to be a mom in a fast-paced family with busy kids just trying to lead and restore peace and harmony so i hope you get to listen this week because what we learn from scripture is that the greatest christian dads need the support of a strong christian mother if i ask you to list the top five leaders in scripture and i said you can start with genesis and you can go through revelation and I gave you a list of names to choose from, or if you knew really, really well, you could not get much further down the list than five before the name Moses appeared. Moses was one of the greatest leaders spiritually in the history of our world. Yet we read that Moses at one point in his ministry got so wrapped up in ministry rather than family that God came, and it says the angel of God literally came and was going to kill Moses because Moses had chosen to lead all the people but not his kids. And his wife stepped in. When Moses was totally unaware, his wife stepped in and said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And because she intervened, God gave their family a chance to develop as the Levitical class, the priesthood of Israel. But it took Zipporah stepping in for Moses. And here's a spiritual fact. Listen, if Moses can't survive without a wife willing to fight spiritually for her family, we have no chance. Like if Moses needs a wife every now and then to set things back in order, every one of us who are married need a wife who can set things back in order. So mom, single moms, grandmas, stepmoms, big sisters, we need you to fight. This is the day we remind you that we need you to fight. Even if you're facing the conflict of Rebecca and your Isaac is spiritually fatigued, spiritually disconnected right now, believe God's best for your family and fight. Keep pushing forward. Even if your Moses is preoccupied with something else and he spends his time on everything but you and your family, fight. We need you to stay engaged. 
Because sometimes all that's needed for a family to be family strong is for a mother who won't quit fighting. Sometimes that's all it takes is a mom like Rebecca who says, I'm just going to keep chasing the promise. I will not stop at the problem. I'm just going to keep chasing the promise. So you say, Christian, how do I do that? For the moms in the room, for the Christians in the room, for the dads in the room who have a wife who's not following, for kids who have parents who aren't following, for parents who have adult children who aren't following, for those of us who have adult siblings who aren't following. How does any Christian begin to inspire and help another person begin to follow? All this series, we've had family strong moments that I've asked you to go away and kind of complete as a family. The first week of the series, we chose three words that we're going to describe our spiritual legacy. The week after that, we, we had some morning moments and some dinner discussions and some bedtime blessings. We, we talked about how to take some worry walks. Last week, if you remember, we stepped in and we learned how to walk with a limp because we said our kids would learn more from our limp than our strut. We learned how to share our story, including our failures. This family strong moment is going to be the longest because I'm going to ask you if you need to make this family strong moment to fight for a family where some members are fatigued and they're not fighting for themselves. This is going to be a 40-day moment. There's something symbolic about a person in the Bible who takes 40 days and gives it to Jesus and fights those 40 days. So any family member, for any family member or friend today, how do we fight for someone spiritually disconnected, spiritually disobedient, spiritually fatigued, spiritually checked out? How do we do that? Number one, for the next 40 days, here's the family strong moments I want you to pursue. Number one, learn to fight in prayer. Learn to fight in prayer. Before you ever talk to anybody about God, you should talk to God about that person. Before you go talk to your husband about God, talk to God about your husband. Before you go talk to your kids about God, talk to God about your kids. Before you go talk to a coworker about God, talk to God about your coworker. And do it in a way that asks God to give you a heart for them like his heart for them. For 40 days, ask that God would help you see them with a bigger heart than you've ever seen them. And ask that God would give you more wisdom on how to speak into the situation than you've ever had. And then just be quiet and listen and watch how over 40 days, God begins to bring things into clarity for you. Learn to fight in prayer. Secondly, I want to challenge you to fight for your husbands and your kids, not against them. If you're a mother leading spiritually today. Learn to fight for your husbands and your kids, not against them. They aren't the enemy. The first step to fight for someone is to be for someone. Rebecca fought for Isaac, not against him when she stepped in because she said, I know God has greater plans for you. I left my family because I believe that. I'm all in with you because I believe that. I'm for you. Wives, the best way to fight for husbands who may not be connected spiritually is to be for husbands who aren't connected spiritually begin to see them as God created them to be. I believe every husband who is spiritually fatigued or checked out right now is an Isaac in waiting. And their children and their family can bless the world if they're just given enough time. Third, I want to challenge you to become the absolute best and committed spiritual version of yourself. People will learn to trust you spiritually when they realize how connected you are spiritually to your God. 
So become the absolute best and committed spiritual version of yourself. Think about who you would be and how you would act and how you would talk in heaven. And for the next 40 days, become that person. Become the heavenly version of yourself. If you wouldn't get angry in heaven because God has already taken care of everything, don't get angry here. If you wouldn't take offense in heaven, don't take offense here. If you'd be soft and sensitive in heaven, be soft and sensitive here. Become the best and most committed spiritual version of yourself. Because when your family becomes convinced that you're close to God and called by God and pursuing God, they'll put confidence in how you're living and in your spiritual decision. And then finally, number four, surround yourself with a small group of people who will fight for you and alongside you for your family. The most dangerous people in your life are the people that you think are for you, but they're against your family. Listen to me, husbands and wives. If you've got a single person in your life telling you to leave your marriage, leave them. Get them out. Can't have them right now, especially if you're living in conflict. If you have a single person in your life who wants to talk down about your kids because they don't believe in them, you don't need that person in your life right now. I want you to ask your friends this week to start telling you reasons to stay married. Ask them to give you the top 10 attributes of your husband or your wife that they're struggling with. And if they can't give you 10, just kind of take them out of your cell phone and let them know you'll check back in at a season when you're healthier. Ask them to give you the positives they see about your marriage and your family and where you're headed. Find people who believe in you and your family. Ask them to remind you of the good qualities when all you're experiencing are the bad ones. Surround yourself with people who will fight for you because there's enough internal conflict to have external conflict too. It's almost impossible when you have both. And fight. Today, we're grateful for Rebecca. We're grateful for Moses' wife, Zipporah. We're thankful today for moms who fight spiritually and they invite us to do the same too. But moms, for the next 40 days, let me challenge you to fight spiritually. Have you started praying? Have you leaned into prayer and talked to God about people instead of people about God? Have you changed your mindset where you're fighting for people spiritually and not against them? Have you become the best version of yourself spiritually? Would everyone say they've noticed the difference? And finally, are you surrounded with people that are fighting for you and with you for your family, not just for you to leave and start over? I believe if we do that, we can end this Family Strong series by moving into a family strong season. So can we pray that today? Would you bow your heads with me and with every head bowed and every eye closed?